Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you took the time to listen to this message. We're wrapping up our series called This Means War. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Uh, my name's Harrison. I'm the pastor here. And uh, yeah, just honored you guys took the time to be here. Uh, we're finishing up a series this week, part five. It's been five amazing weeks called This Means War. Can you make some noise if you've heard any part of this series? Just... Just has this been helping anyone? Any of this stuff been helpful? A few people, amazing. Um, listen, we're we're believing and we're declaring that victory is actually found in Jesus' name. And so, what that means is, whatever battles we have in our minds, whatever is going on within us, there can actually be victory. And so, I just believe sometimes all you have to do is to learn how to trust the process. Trust the process, trust the process. Now, for those of you guys um, who can see me, our faithful podcast listeners, don't shout you out enough. Love you. You can't see me. Those of you guys who are in this room will know um, I have a beautiful black mane on my head right now. Um, thank you. And uh, I've been growing out my hair for about four-ish months now. Uh, thank you so much. A few supporters in the church today, online, in the comments, if you're there, I'd love to hear your support or your beef, whatever you want. Uh, Now, uh, many of you guys, I'm sure, are wondering, maybe some aren't wondering, why I decided to grow out my hair. Uh, And so if you care or if you don't care, I'm going to tell you either way. Uh, And so I decided back in September. uh, So back, these were crazy times. You could see your family and things. Um, So back in September, uh, I used to get this thing called a bald fade. And uh, what a bald fade is, it's when you, like, go right to the skin. And in the words of my wife, uh, the bald fade made me look very clean, put together. Uh, Now, the only issue with the bald fade is that you have to get your haircut, like, every couple of weeks. And so I was getting this haircut for a while, and basically one day I just got over it. I was sick of getting my haircut all the time, and so I said, Chris, I'm growing out my hair. And I said, I'm growing out my hair until at least Christmas. Now... This is very important. There was a reason that I told her I'm growing out my hair until at least Christmas. At least because we're past it now. But the reason I told her that is because I've been through the hair growth journey before. This is not my first rodeo, so I know how this goes. I did this about seven years ago. And so what happens when you grow out your hair, at first, no one notices. No one cares. Suddenly, like the blink of an eye, everyone notices And everyone cares. And the reason everyone notices and the reason everyone cares is because it gets to a very awkward stage. Some of you guys, like, he's still in the awkward stage. To that, I say, get thee behind me, Satan. Um, But it gets to an awkward stage, and there's just moments along the process where you look in the mirror and you ask yourself, what am I doing? You look in the mirror and you'll say, I should just cut this thing off. But the reason I told my wife that I was going to grow it out until at least the new year, until at least Christmas, was because I knew that my resolve had to be stronger than the results I was going to see every single day. And so I made a choice. Come hell or high water, I'm growing out my hair. And this has helped me tremendously. Because on the days when it kind of looked weird and my brother said, take the helmet off your head, my resolve is strong. And so I don't give up. The day that Andrell texts me and he tells me I look like I'm in a boy band, I don't give up because my resolve is strong. The day that people start letting me know hairdressers are open, I say, I watch the news. My resolve 
is strong. Now, maybe you guys think I'm telling you a story, but I'm actually preaching. Because I want you to understand something about process. You see, a lot of times in life, we like to focus on the final product. What things look like. We're in a series called This Means War. For a lot of us, we look at how to win. We look at win. We look at the end. I just, I just want to win. I just want to have flow. I just want to get to the end. But what I want us to realize is that life is far more than end products. It's a whole lot more about process. And what happens is that as a people, I think that we become so obsessed with products, become so obsessed with the final outcomes, that what can happen over time is that we can begin to despise the process. But what I've realized in life is that there is nothing good that comes without process. But the reason so many of us give up in the midst of process is because we don't see the results right away. We're in this series, How to Win the Battle Within. If you've been with us through this series, maybe you've taken some of the things to heart. And you said, hey, I'm going to start to read my Bible, fill myself with the word of God so I can have shields in my mind. But the very first time I read my Bible, I turned to Leviticus 26 and I'm just done now. (laughs) Didn't speak to me. I don't like it. I'm just giving up. I don't see anything. For some of us, it's like, man, like I have, I, I've resolved that I'm going to try to take my thoughts captive. I'm going to try to make them obedient to Christ. I'm going to try to have the mind of Jesus. I want to think like him. But Harrison, I tried it for a few days, and I just I didn't feel any different. So I'm just, I'm done. I'm giving up. But what I want us to realize in life is that for a lot of times, and I would say most things of value, nothing happens overnight. There's a process that leads us to the product. And so I want us to understand this as we go through this message this morning. I want us as a people to learn to love the process more than the final product. Learn to love the process more than the final product. Now, maybe you haven't been with us through this series, and so you don't know what I'm talking about, but the truth is we've all experienced this before. This is why we give up on diets. Because like I'm trying really hard to count my carbs and my proteins, and I did it for a week, but I didn't really feel any different. All I felt was hungry. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to give up, or I'm going to try to treat people better, right? But then people didn't treat me better, and so I'm done. I'm done. But what I want us to understand is that if we could learn to love the process, I believe that you will actually get to the final product. But if you just focus on the end, you'll never get there. And so what I want to do this morning, as we wrap up this series, I want to give us three choices. I believe there are three things that we can do every single day to help us win the battle within. But I need to preface every single choice to let you know that that choice will lead you to a process. And you may not right away see the final product. But you have to believe the words of the song. It's almost like we chose it purposely. Even when I don't see it, God's working. Even when I don't feel it, God's working. Even when I don't understand it, God is working. Even if I wouldn't have chosen this, God is working. But I need to learn to love process more than the final product. And so I want to study a book of the Bible, uh, specifically chapter one of a book called Philippians. Now, I'll give you guys a little context. We read it off the top, but I'll tell you what's really going on. Paul was under house arrest, the person that wrote this letter. This is found in the New Testament. The Bible is broken into two testaments, old and new. New is after the time of Jesus. And so Philippians was written by a man named Paul, and Paul wrote this book while he was under house arrest, awaiting trial and possibly execution. And as he's waiting there, he writes this letter 
And he writes and he encourages these other Christians. And I love this letter because what we're going to see is that Paul has this way of instead of focusing on all the negative that's around him, he turns it and looks at the power of Christ that's living within him. And so he's going to show us three choices that we can make every single day, three things. And we're going to end this series on this. And I guarantee you this, if we do these three things, you will win the battle within. But we got to love the process. Philippians chapter 1, writing to the followers of Jesus in Philippi, he says this in verse 3. He says, I thank God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, I want us to understand this. I just told us, but let me underscore it. Paul is in prison. And what Paul is doing, and what the Bible tells us, is not only is he writing to these Christians in Philippi, these actually just happen to be some of his closest friends, his closest associates. You guys know, like, you have people that, like, you love, but then you have those, like, you really love. Like, he's talking to his closest people. And if there's one thing that we know about the closest people in our lives, those are the ones that we're most honest with. Like, those are the ones that we tell how we're really feeling, like how things are really going. And so I don't know about you, but, like, we don't write letters anymore. But if I'm texting people, and something happens, or I'm in a bad situation, I'm not so sure the very first thing that I would say is I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers, you bring me joy. My unfiltered thoughts are like, man, life sucks right now. Like, this is so hard. Like, do you know what I'm going, like, do you know what's happening right now? Like, I'm so, I'm so angry. But whatever it is, with our closest friends, we are who we actually are. This is who Paul is. And I love this because in his hardest times, Paul is reaching out. But, but look at this. A lot of us reach out. But the reason that we reach out is with the hopes that someone will reach in. Like, please just encourage me. Just please speak into my life. And there's nothing wrong. We need encouragement. We need people to speak into our lives. But Paul was in such a place where when he reached out, he didn't even need them to reach in. He just reached out to them. They're free. He's in prison, and he's like, man, you guys bring me joy. I'm so happy. And I just, I just don't know if I was under those circumstances, I would have the same reaction. But Paul's like, man, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. No, they need to pray for me. He says, I'm praying for you. You see, I have this belief that prayer has this way of flipping our perspective. So I want us to understand something. Here's the first choice I think we can make every single day. It's this, write down, choose prayer over panic. Choose prayer over panic. The easiest thing he could have done was look at his situation around him and chosen panic and chosen worry. Listen, write it like this, right? Choose worship over worry. I'm going to choose to worship over worry. Every time I think of you, it brings me great joy. Now, for a lot of us, it's like, Harrison, I, I do pray. Like, when I'm going through hard times, like, that's when I only pray. Like, in my lowest and lows, my vow, like, that's when I pray. But I just, I just look at the life of Paul, and for Paul, what I realize is that I don't think for him prayer was a last resort. Because for a lot of us, prayer is a last resort, right? Like, when the walls are caving in, when my life is crumbling, when my relationships have deteriorated, that's when I'll pray. Jesus, hey, going through some things. But when I look at the life of Paul, for him, prayer wasn't a last result. It was his first. It was his first. It was his first response. 
Look what Philippians chapter 4 says, because this gives us more clues. Paul says this later in the letter. This is a famous passage. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. Hold on. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Hold on. What did it say? But in every situation. Come on, I need someone to shout that. But in every. But in every situation. So for Paul, prayer was not a last resort. It was actually his first response. Because for a lot of us, and maybe you've been there, maybe you're in the depths of hell and it's like, I want to pray, I want to feel God, but it's just not working. Can I suggest maybe it's harder to try to add something to your arsenal that wasn't there in the hardest times than it is to have it in the good times. But for a lot of us, it's like, man, like I, when life is good, it's just like, I don't need to pray. What's there to pray about? But then all of a sudden life comes crumbling and we try to make it a tool in our bag, but it's just not a part of who we are. But for Paul, the reason I believe he was able to choose prayer over panic because it wasn't for him a last resort. It was his first response. What if we didn't always have to try and flip a switch and get real spiritual when things got real bad? What if we made some choices in advance? I was reading this week, uh, listening, I should say, to an interview. Um, it was with the GM of the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, his name's uh, Rob Palinka. And he just happens to be a Christian as well. And uh, for those of you guys that don't know about basketball, uh, the Lakers are a basketball team. Um, and uh, if you don't know the Lakers, you probably have heard of LeBron James, uh, greatest basketball player perhaps of all time. Um, but today, I would say no doubt. Um, now, Rob Palinka in this interview was asked a question. He asked, because like, Rob Palinka is actually a close friend of Kobe Bryant, his agent, um, and, and LeBron. So he's been around a lot of greats. And so they asked him, they said, hey, is there any practices, any habits that you've noticed that the greats have? Like, what's just one thing that you've noticed? And what he said was so interesting, because for those of you guys that do not know, LeBron James has gone to nine out of the last ten NBA finals. And so what that means is he plays more than anyone else. He puts more miles on his body than anyone else. You're like, what about his teammates? It's been with three different teams. Where LeBron goes, <laughs> people win. And so he has so much miles on his body. So they asked him, is there anything about, because for a lot of people, they see LeBron, it's like LeBron's just great. He's just the GOAT. What he said was so interesting. He said, what sticks out the most to me about LeBron is the amount of work that he puts into his body. And he said something, and he said a word I've never heard before. He said, I couldn't believe the amount of prehab that LeBron James does. And I was like, prehab? Like, I heard a rehab. Like, how many of you guys thought deadlifts were a good idea and you went to rehab after? Like, <laughs> like, I've done rehab. A lot of us have done rehab. You're like, I sneezed last week. I'm just getting old. But he said, the thing about the greats that I noticed was the amount of prehab he put in. What that meant was the amount of work before the game, after the game, the amount of work he put into his body, get this, so he would not get hurt. You see, most of us, listen to this, this is so spiritual, most of us live with a rehab mindset. And rehab says when blank hits the fan, that's when I'll start doing what I got to do. I'm in such debt, let's see what the Bible says now. <laughs> I just have this belief that the Bible could have kept you out of there in the first place, but that's a different sermon for a different time. But you see, so many of us live with a rehab mindset. Listen, listen, listen. What if prayer became our prehab? 
What if worship became our prehab? What if it became so ingrained in who I was, so ingrained in every single thing, every part about me, that I didn't have to go to rehab because I invested in prehab? Can I, can I tell you something? Rehab is really painful. So is prehab. But prehab is less painful than rehab. And so I put it in in advance. Paul wasn't putting things into his life while he was in prison. It was practices. It was principles that he lived by. And so when he was there, he says, man, I'm just, I'm still filled with joy. So, so listen, very practical. One thing I've said all series, I'll reiterate it. The first things that we put into our mind is so important. Now, now, now I know for some people it is like this. But for most of us, we don't wake up every day with negativity. We don't wake up every day with worry. We don't wake up every day with anger, whatever it may be. A lot of us, we've done stuff to get there. And it's quick things. It's like I woke up very early in the morning, and the very first thing I did was I checked my email. And I realized how far behind I am. So now I'm worried. The very first thing I did when I woke up, I don't know why I did it. I went to the TD Bank app and looked at my bank account. And now I'm feeling anxious because I don't know if I can pay my bills. The very first thing I did this morning was I went on Instagram. I don't know why I did it. It can't make a muscle reflex. But all of a sudden, I'm comparing myself to these people. And all of a sudden, my house isn't big enough. My car is not nice enough. I'm not good enough. And then we buy the lie that says, I just think this way. No, I thought myself into that way. And so what if very early, first thing every day, we said, I'm going to prehab. I'm not lifting up my phone. I'm not turning on the TV. I don't need to know the COVID updates today. I'm going to go to prehab. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to worship the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul. And listen, listen. Come on. But you may not, you may not feel anything. There may be no tangible results. But what if, come on somebody, what if I said, wait a second, I actually love process more than product. And so I know even if this didn't speak to my situation, because a lot of us, it's like you open the word of God, it will speak to you every single time. No, it won't. But you're planting seeds. And then one day, come on somebody, maybe it will. But we just have to learn to love the process. And the process says, man, I'm going to prehab. I'm going to prayer. I'm going to worship. So then I can put myself in the best situation possible so I don't have to go and try to fix my broken life. I do things in advance. And now for a lot of us, it's like, man, like I try. I really try. I don't feel it. And like I get processed, but like how do I know? How do I know one day it's going to lead somewhere? Look what Paul says, verse 6. He says, being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it out unto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. Come on, that means that if I do it, if I put in the work, if I sow the seeds, Christ is faithful. Jesus is faithful. If I worship, he is faithful. If I pray, he is faithful. If I read my Bible, he is faithful that one day he will carry it out unto completion. Can I tell you something? When I first started reading the Bible, I always like, man, how do people know things? It doesn't make sense. Like, I want to memorize script. I'm just not good at it. But now, 10 years later, all of a sudden, I realize, man, what if I would have given up? Like, I wouldn't be able to experience where I am right now. And I know where I am right now is nothing compared to where I'll be in 10 years. 
Because he who begun a good work in me will carry it out until completion. You know when completion is? It's when you die. That's the end. You're like, just a few more years. And I'll, no, it's, it's uh, well, hopefully not just a few more years. But literally, the, 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 the journey, the, 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 the journey of Christ in me, it goes and it goes. It builds and it builds. And so if I'm always focusing on the end product, I'll despise the process. But prayer is my weapon. It's not my last resort. It's my first response. And the promise is, in the process, if I stick to it, Jesus will carry it out unto completion. So I don't give up. I choose prayer over panic. That's the first choice. And if you're not taking notes, um, go home. <laughs> Love you guys. Write it down. Prayer over panic. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, continuing. Because I'm giving you three choices we need to make every single day. He says this. We write this at the top. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now, he starts with gratitude, and I think he's going to say, like, you know, I'm thankful for you, but please, guys, get me out of here. <laughs> like, I'm sick of it here. The food is terrible. But he's like, listen, what's happened to me, these hardships, these hard times, this situation I don't want to be in, guess what? It's actually helped to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He's saying, because I am here, because I have this attitude, because everyone, I'm sure, the prisoners they had seen in the past, it was despair, it was, it was depression, it was get me out of here, it was spitting at guards, whatever it was. But Paul's worshiping. He's praising. I'm, so, I'm filled with joy. And so he says, everyone here now knows I'm here for Christ because of my attitude. And look at this, verse 14. He says, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have been confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So he's saying, my witness in here has not just stayed in here. He says, the people out here, now they're preaching because what they realize is nothing can chain the gospel because even in here, God is working. Even in lockdown, God is working. So, so look at this, look at this. Second choice is this. I, first, I prayer over panic. Second, I choose gratitude over victimhood. I choose gratitude over victimhood. Um, I, I didn't mention it, but if you guys are wondering why Paul was in prison, it wasn't for petty theft or anything like that. The reason Paul was in prison was for preaching Jesus. So how easy as a follower of Jesus to be like, God, I'm doing your will. I'm following you here, and this is where you lead me. This is where you take me. But I love the words of Paul because what he's doing is choosing gratitude over victimhood. And can I tell you this? The easiest thing in life is to play the victim, but ingratitude is where chains are broken, and it's where our witness expands. Listen, listen, you guys, um, maybe you don't know this because you're at 11 o'clock and nothing's changed for you. Um, but we do two services now, 9.30 and 11. Um, the real saved people come to 9.30, just so you guys know. Uh, <clears throat> and the spirit is just thicker at 9.30. I encur encourage you guys to check it out. Um, <clears throat> but we do two services, 9.30 and 11. Now, if you don't know, um, if you've been living off the grid, the reason we do this uh, is because of government restrictions. It's 15% capacity, and so we can only fit a certain number of people. Um, and so 
long story short, uh, two services. And the two services is stretch. Um, you know, Aja and Noah in the back have been here for a while. Love you guys. Uh, the worship team's been here twice. I'm preaching twice. For some of us, you know, you had friends at 930. You're like, ah, I didn't get to see them. And vice versa. And so it's a little bit harder. It's a little bit more work. And to be honest, we're here not by our choice. Now, the easiest thing to do would be to play the victim, right? Ah, the government again. Infringing on me. Making me do what I don't want to do. This is so hard. But I think in the line of Paul, what we're deciding to do as a church is choose gratitude over victimhood. And so what we say is it's a little bit harder, but I thank you, Jesus, that we can still meet. I thank you, Jesus, that although we're spread out, although it's a little bit smaller, although sometimes people don't clap as much as I want them to clap because it's a little bit smaller, I thank you, Jesus, that we still are able to have service. I thank you, Jesus, that the Spirit of God, although my joke I just made, it's just as heavy at 9.30 as it is at 11. It's just as heavy as online. And so I know in your living room right now, the Spirit of God is working. Podcast, maybe you're driving on a car. I know that God is not limited to anything. And so I'm going to choose gratitude every single time. Even though it's easier to be the victim, it's easy to play the victim. Listen, I know for so many of us, we live in that world of what if, what should be. Well, my life wouldn't be like this if that person didn't do this to me. I wouldn't think like this if it wasn't for that one situation, if it wasn't for my friends, if it wasn't for my family, if it wasn't for my coworker. I'm just, I'm the victim. And listen, you can play the victim all day long. And I just happen to think it's easier to be the victim. But what I love, the words of Paul, he says, when I choose gratitude, he says, now other people are encouraged. Now other people have hope. Can I tell you something? What if I went online and I complained? You wouldn't believe what the government's doing. You know that person that hasn't been working because they got laid off? You know that person that still isn't working because there's still restrictions? Can you imagine if we complained? We'd lose our witness. But when we choose gratitude, we say, guess what? You can choose gratitude too. Whatever your situation, I know you don't want to be there, but guess what? There's a good in it. There's a positive you can take, even when you don't see it. God's working. You want to know what's crazy? Science actually tells us that gratitude changes our brain. It literally changes our brain chemistry. When we are grateful, when we are thankful, when we take moments to thank God, our brain begins to change. And so I can do this in everything. I can do it in the little things, I can do it in the big things, but I just happen to believe this, if you can't do it in the little things, you'll never be able to do it in the big things. And so stop complaining about the little things. Listen, I moved into a new house, and it's a corner lot, and one of my responsibilities is I got to shovel all the way around. And when I first moved there, I was like, woe is me. Yeah, the house is great, but you're not going to believe how much I have to, like I was literally telling people this, you're not going to believe how much I'm going to have to shovel Hey, first, shut up. Like, I decided to live there, so why am I complaining? I chose the house. But, but listen, listen, I flipped my perspective. And so now what I do every single time it snows, and because there's really no other exercise in my life, I put on my headphones, I turn on a podcast, and I shovel my walk. And I say, thank you, Jesus, I have 20 minutes to grow. 
I have 30 minutes to live. If I can't do that in the little things, how can I do it in the big things? If I can't believe to thank God in the mundane, I'll never be able to thank God in the magnificent. Because I'll always be a victim. I'll always be a victim. But when I choose gratitude over victimhood, it changes everything. And let me tell you something. This has nothing to do with feelings. It's a choice. I don't think Paul woke up every day feeling fantastic. Like, ah, another day in chains. <laughs> so happy to be here. But the beauty of Jesus is that he gives us victory over our minds. And so what that means is I'm not a slave to what I feel. Right? This, this series is not about emotions. It's about controlling what happens in here. And so I choose gratitude. And what happens is that my emotions follow. And so he says, I will continue to rejoice. Verse 18, verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. It's like, I'm not tripping because God's going to get me out of this. But look at the next part. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as in always, Christ will be exalted in my body. Look at this. Whether by life or by death. Paul says, you can't take my peace because my peace isn't tied to an outcome. It's tied to a person. And so it's God's going to deliver me, whether in life or in death. He says, either way, I come out winning. Either way, my peace is secured, so I choose gratitude over victimhood every single time. I read a story this week um, about a couple, and this couple, um, their, their lives are really marked with the ministry of Jesus, and everything that they did, they wanted to proclaim the name of Jesus, and so they served their local church, volunteered, did all the good stuff, and uh, one day, um, the husband in this couple uh, was diagnosed with ALS. Now, if you guys know ALS, it's a pretty... Um, debilitating disease where it just takes control of your body until eventually you have no control. Um, and right now, there's currently no cure for ALS. Um, and so for these guys, um, from the time of his diagnosis till his death was only two and a half years. But what they decided to do in those two and a half years was to make sure that they lived every second for Jesus. And so the entire time for the rest of their life on earth, the rest of his life on earth, they went around proclaiming the name of Jesus. Even when he lost his ability to speak, he would go to places with a voice modulizer, type things out, and proclaim the name of Jesus. Now when he passed away, and this is where the story picks up in the book, um, this lady was able to talk to the now widow. Um, and she asked her a question. She said to her, did you guys ever ask God why? Why did this happen to you? And it was interesting in the book, she said, the widow looked at me almost offended that I would ask that question. And she said, why? She said, we never asked why. She said, the first question we asked was, why not? Why couldn't this happen to me? Why shouldn't this happen to us? Then she said this, our faith doesn't assure us that things will work out for what we deem as good, but that it will always work out for good. So she said, why not? And when you look at their story and what they did, what she said, she said, even unto death, my husband was proclaiming the name of Jesus. 
And even after he's gone, the name of Jesus is still proclaimed. So why not? Why not? And so what she was saying really is I refuse to be a victim. I choose gratitude every single time. That's choice number two. The third choice. And then we're wrapping this series up. Is this helping anyone? Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, I love this. He says, for me, after he says, life or death, I'm good. He says, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, that will mean fruitful labor for me. He's like, if I live, like I still got stuff to do. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two, the two being life or death. He says, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is by far better. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith. This is what he's saying. Let me break this down. Talking about feelings, right? He's like, I'm in prison. Life is hard. I got two options. Life or death. He's like, yeah, to be honest, death is better. He's like, if I die, number one, I'm not where I am. He's like, guess what? I'm going to be with Jesus. Come on, somebody. He's like, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be chilling with Jesus. So to be honest, he's like, death is better. He's like, for me to die is to be with Christ, and Christ is my homeboy. But he says, to live is to gain. Sorry, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. And so what he means by that is this. This is so important. He's saying, I know what I want. <laughs> it's to be with Jesus. That's easier, a little less pain. A little less suffering, a little less hardships, a little less prison. If you know Paul's life, a little less shipwreck, a little less chains, a little less whips. Paul's been through the ringer. I'm just getting a little bit here in house arrest. He says to, to, to be with Jesus is that's all good. But for me to live is Christ. And so what he says, he says, I don't think I'm going to die here. And history shows he doesn't die there. He says, because I still think I have work. I still think that Jesus wants to use me. He says, for, for the good of you guys, I know for your progress and joy and in faith, I need to live. So listen, this is the very last choice we can make every single day. And I'll break it down. It's this. I choose service over complacency. I choose, I choose service over complacency. We need to understand this. I don't want to mitigate what anyone is going through the hard times that you are facing, the season, the hills, the valleys, wherever it may be. And I know for a lot of us in this room, the easiest thing to do is to give up. The easiest thing to do is just roll over and say, I'm done. Like, I've just, I just been through too much. It's just, it's just too hard <laughs> to die. <laughs> to die is gain. But listen, I believe in this season right now, God is calling us to service, not complacency. What that means is no matter what you're going through, guess what? Your purpose is not on pause. God still has a plan for your life. God still wants to use you. God still wants to bear fruit through you. And so when we choose service over complacency, guess what? God will be faithful to that promise. Now, one of the things that has happened in this season for so many of us is breeded complacency. Complacency in the sense of, you know what? Like when things get back to normal, that's when I'll get back to my normal but I'm just going to wait until then. I'm just going to have a me season. You know, it's hashtag self-care Sunday every day. 
I'll step into purpose sometime, some other time, but guess what? Your purpose is each and every day. Your purpose is not on pause. God wants to use us in life or in death, in hard times or in good times, in low seasons or in high seasons. Come on, somebody. My purpose is not on pause, so I choose service over complacency every single time. Every time I choose to serve, I choose to love Jesus. I'm not going to stay. I'm, I know things are hard, but I can't stay here. Listen, as a church, as a church we're making these choices. We're choosing prayer over panic. We're choosing gratitude over victimhood, and we're choosing service over complacency. Because guess what? Whatever you're going through right now, there's someone else in the world going through something very similar. Maybe even worse. And what if instead of being stuck in pause, we pushed to purpose and said, guess what? I think, I, I think someone needs me right now. I think the world needs me right now. Because guess this, right now the world doesn't need a scared church. It doesn't need a complaining church, and it sure as heck doesn't need a complacent church. And so I believe that's our mission. And the reason we did this series is because the mission is with each and every one of us. And so if we can get out of our heads, out of this battle, and start to fight the battle out there and say, God, use me, I promise you the battle in here becomes smaller and smaller. Because what I've seen is that when I encourage people, I'm encouraged. When I love people, I feel loved. When I step into purpose, I'm not really concerned about what's happening around me. I just want to feel the power of Christ within me. And so my purpose doesn't pause. And so listen to this, church. Today, let's just stand. I want us to make a choice. And the choice is today to say, I'm choosing. I'm choosing to follow Jesus. I'm choosing peace. I'm choosing prayer. I'm choosing gratitude. I'm choosing service. Now, right now in this place, every head bowed, every eye closed. If right now in this moment, you want to make the decision, you want to say, I want to follow Jesus. I'm done fighting these demons by myself. I'm done being stuck in my head. I want Jesus to penetrate my heart, my mind, and my soul. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you this morning, just, just right now in this space, I'm not even going to count down. You just say, I want Jesus. I need Jesus. Just show me your hand. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Like, I want to live in purpose. My purpose is not on pause. Jesus is my Savior. He's the God of the turnaround. That's you. I want to pray for each person in this room. God, I pray in this moment, in this season, that we can choose you, that your spirit comes into our life, that it changes us from the inside out, God. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you even when we don't see it or trust in the process. God, make us into new creations and help us to follow you wholeheartedly in purpose each and every day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we clap our hands? Come on. Hey, thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired. Hey, if you want more information, if you've decided to follow Jesus, we encourage you to head over to kingdomchurch.ca right now and connect with us. We can't wait to get to know you. Until next time, take care.